it, but I hear from God for you to let that thing loose right now. Sometimes people don't understand our story. They don't understand the cost of your alabaster box. But God says he knows. And he wants to receive your worship. So if you would just for the next few moments, take everything that you've been holding on to, that you've been desiring to give to God, and just let it go. Just let it go. Just let it go. Let it come out of your lips. Let it come out of your hands. Let it come out of your gifting. Let it come out of your anointing. Let it come out of your voice. Let it come out of your music. Just let it come out. Let it pour out of every orifice of your spiritual being. Because God is receiving it right now. God has left the throne room. He's inhabiting your very praise. sing. Come on, let out the fullness of the gifting of God in you. That organ wants to scream. It wants to shout. It wants to give God praise.
Come on, people of God. Worship God like you've never worshipped Him before. Let the fullness of your praise glorify, magnify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Tony, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. There's no place I'd rather be than right here, just you and me. Asking you to reveal to me your glory. There's no place I'd rather be than right here. Come on, BJ, help him out, help him out. Fascinate each and every one of you. He's done everything within his power to knock you off your game. He's talked about you. He's sent people after you. He's messed with your mind. He's messed with your body. He's titillated your emotions. He's fooled with your desires. But after everything that he has done, after every attempt, 
every scheme, every device, every trick. I'm still here to give God glory. And there's no place I'd rather be. Your voice is just say, I'm still here. After all of it's been said and done, I'm still here. After everything that you said, I'm still here. After you afflicted my body, I'm still here. After you messed with my mind, I'm still here. for a resurgence of COVID-19. The expectation is that this will be worse than the emergence. People of God, what I see is that there is a resurgence of the power of God waiting to be spilled out the word declares that my cup runneth over there's something on the inside of you that's waiting to run over because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world so when the world is hurting, when the world is under attack, when the world is suffering, 
the antidote, the serum, the antibody that the world needs is in you. You are the anointed of God. That means that everywhere you go, every step that you take is a step of destruction for the enemy. Everything you say has power behind it. The earth is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. The earth is groaning, it's moaning, it's troubled, it's turbulent, it's shaking, and it's waiting for the people of God to walk in their authority to walk in their anointing, to walk in their power. Because you're the vaccine that the world really needs. You are the balm in Gilead. If you understood the word of God, you would realize that once you committed your life to Christ and you died in baptism and was arisen in the grace and truth of the Lord and Savior, then you are what he is. And he is the balm in Gilead, the one that takes away disease, the one that takes away sickness, the healer and the deliverer. That's who you are. declares that my people perish for lack of knowledge. The enemy fights long and hard to keep you from understanding and knowing who you are. Because when you don't know who you are, you're impotent. When you don't know who you are, you're barren. You cannot reproduce. If a woman does not understand that she has the God-given ability to give birth, she will never do what is necessary to produce life. And then she becomes ultimately barren because she does not walk in the knowledge of her gift from God. The enemy wants to keep you barren. He wants to keep you from being able to produce and to reproduce and to reproduce, which was the first command of God. He said, be fruitful 
and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. If only the church would take a hold of that command of God, be fruitful and multiply. That means it's upon you. The command of God is upon you to bring into the family of God those that have been cast out, the downtrodden, the sick, the weak, the afraid. You have the answer to every question they could ever ask. You, hallelujah, you've got to understand the grace and truth of God that's flowing in your life. I thank the Lord for this day and for all that has been done to this point. I know we've gone over a little bit in our praise and worship, but our services are subject to change in an instant when the Holy Ghost moves into the house. Hallelujah. I make no apologies. Make no apologies for what God does. Because somebody needs to see and to hear and to feel what is happening. If we are a living witness and testimony of God's grace and truth in the earth, you don't even realize that the very victories that God has given you is breaking bonds across this nation, across this planet. You think you're testifying in the house, but because of technology, your testimony is spanning borders. It's crossing seas. It's entering nations that forbid the knowledge of God. You understand the power that dwells in you? Hallelujah. I'm just thankful to God for everything that he's done and what he's doing. I know that not every member of Grace and Mercy is here physically. They may not even be tuned in, all of them. But there's one thing the Spirit of God told me. Stop looking at yourself as being on life support. We are not on life support. Because he is life. And he dwells richly. In us, the fullness of that which is life. 
dwells in us as individuals and dwells in us corporately. Don't be dismayed by the things that you see. Because the enemy would have you to believe that you are defeated. But I serve a God that cannot fail. I serve a God that in the midnight hour hears your prayers. I serve a God that heard you and heard you praying and asking for financial blessing. I don't want more, Lord. I just want what's owed to me. I don't know how long it's going to be this way, but Father, I just want what's owed me. I'm not asking to hit the lottery. Lord, I just want what has been promised to me. God shook the tree of life and poured into your bosom a blessing, an increase, and that you might know he is God and that you were never really in a place of lack. He restored your job before man said it was going to come back. He restored what he already gave you. Just that you might know who he is. You see, sometimes when the enemy takes, God gives it right back. Sometimes we as the children of God are just too hot to handle. And just by way of uh, testimony on Angela's behalf, she left this part out. But I was notified that when God loosed into her hand, that which the world owed her. Because the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. She rendered back to God that which was rightfully his. She could have been justified in one month of no pay to say I need this. But she gave out of her supposed lack. You've got to understand, if you know who you are in God, you understand that God, our Jehovah Yireh, is of no shortage. I believe the Bible says somewhere in the Old Testament, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed 
begging bread. You think the world would have you to believe that you are in lack, that you've lost something. But if I am the representation of God in the earth who knows all things, nothing can be hidden from me. I'm the wrong one to play hide and go seek with. You'll get it sooner or later. But I, I, I thank the Lord for the faithfulness and the remembrance to do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. By way of another testimony, the church is in a place of need financially. I got a text message from Janelle. She would not, she wouldn't tell you this, but I'm a snitch. She said, Bishop, I made a mistake. I added one too many zeros to my giving. She said, I was half asleep when I was making sure my tithe and offering was given. And somehow in my sleepiness, the period did not end where I intended it to end. So I did some checking. I told her what she could do to remedy that. I told her we wouldn't touch it. I wasn't mad. I wasn't angry. Mistakes happen. And then the next day, well, for me, that's the next day. In the midnight hour, I got a text. Can you talk? Are you asleep? I have to confess, I lied. I said, no, I'm not sleeping, but I was dozed. <laughs> but I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she gives me a call. And she says, you know what, Bishop? Keep it for the church. Keep it. I've been talking to the Lord, and he's always looked out for me. And maybe what I thought was a mistake on, <laughs> was really not a mistake. Maybe what I thought was sleepiness was really directive from God. Would I trust him to do what he's encouraged me to do? She said, Keith, I said, you sure? She said, it's there. She said, I, I, I've got what I need. I may need some butter and bread later, but right now, 
I got what I need. And so I said, okay. The church can use it. It's a blessing. It'll help meet the need of the house. I said, okay, if you're sure. And then I gave her one last opportunity. I said, we can wait till it clears all the electronic stuff, and I can give it back to you. It's not a problem. She said, nope. God's got me. Now, I don't know if any of you really pay attention to Janelle. Sometimes she's hard to miss. She's like a bling of a whole nother level. But if you've paid attention to the testimony of her life, she is a walking miracle of God's abundant favor. If we would just pay attention to the witnesses that are in our midst, some of us would not struggle like we are struggling. And they're not the only ones. There have been several that have stepped up to the plate and hit grand slams. While the church has been able to do what it needs to do, take care of its responsibilities, We've had to make no deals with the bank. You ought to be proud of that. The banks have called and said, look, we can shift, you know, during this period of time, this season. We can help you move to the end, which really means more money. At the end of the day, it really means they get more money. You spend more, it's just diverted. They are not helping you for nothing. They are benefiting. But God said, watch this, I'm going to keep you. I'm going to keep you, I'm going to touch each and every one of the people in this house. And in the right moment, at the right time, like the widow reaching into the pot, out shall come that which is necessary to prepare a meal. You've got to understand, people of God, the grace and power of God that's working in your midst. The tremendous blessing that God wants to loose into your hands. But God did not call you to be a dam. He called you to be the overflow pipe. Not too many years back, they built a dam in this one area, and I can't remember where it is right now, but they built this dam. It was a, a, a marvel of building of engineering, 
And for so many years, it did what it was built to do. And it did it so well that when you build a dam, there are what they call spillways. So that when the water that the dam is holding back gets to a critical level, the spillways are designed to take the excess water, the water that is not normally there, and cause it to evacuate so the level that the dam is holding can decrease and that water is funneled away where it does no damage. They typically have a spillway and then they have a secondary or an emergency spillway. And this dam had been built. I wish I could remember where it was, but it had been built. And it was doing what it was supposed to do until all of a sudden. This specific area got so much water. The spillway that had never been used failed. The emergency spillway, which was pretty much the side of a hill, when the water would crest the top of the dam. It would crest there before the rest of the dam and spill down. And then it would go into where the spillway funnels the water out as a river. But because there was so much the expectation of this emergency spillway failed. And the water that was coming over eroded the side of the mountain. And now water and boulders and mud were flowing. And there's a city that sits at the bottom of the dam And at the bottom of the dam, 100,000 people live. And they gave the order to evacuate the city because there was nothing that they could do. And through some engineering marvels, they were able to prevent the city from being destroyed. And they spent some ungodly amount of money to redesign the whole dam and spillway system after that tragedy had, end, had ended. And I was watching this and they're telling the story on TV and I'm watching this and I'm just like amazed at all this that's going on. And then the Spirit of the Lord said, that's what I'm trying to do to my people. He said, in the last day, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. But some of you have been a dam. Some of you have turned your spillway on and allowed what God has been trying to pour into you 
to flow out of you in the wrong direction. But God says, I want to overflow you. When you look at the word of God, you'll find that when it talks about increase, it always talks about the overflow. There's never a mention of just increase without there being a mention of overflow to some degree. The blessings of the Lord come what? And what? Say that again. Press down, shaking together, and running over. The Spirit of God is a blessing. And it's trying to run over you, through you. But you have to be willing to allow God to have his way in your life. You've got to be willing to let God use you as God intends to use you. You've got to allow God to deal with your stuff so that you can deal with his stuff. Because while you're messing around with your stuff, you can't do God's stuff. Because your attention is divided. While you're worried about your proclivity to fail, and God is trying to see the success and the excellence that you are. While you're busy arguing with God over your identity, nothing is getting done. You look at the world right now and you pay attention to what's going on, you'll see the leadership is blaming the populace for the issues. And the populace is blaming all the entities under the leadership that carry out what the leadership has put in place, known as the system. And then you have new people that want to be leaders but don't want to change the system that propagate the story to keep you misdirected on what's really going on. The systems will never change if leadership does not change. The things you're struggling with will not change if the leadership of your life does not change. You see, God is not into a co-op leadership. This wasn't what I intended to preach today. This is where God has taken us. God is not into a co-op leadership. God is not trying to co-drive. Many years ago, they used to have the training cars where the, the teacher 
had a steering wheel, a gas pedal, and brakes. And they could take over if you lost control. And some of us think that that's the way it works with God. That he's letting you drive and just when you lose control, he's there to take over. But as soon as he gets you straight again, now you, I got it now, boss. Uh-uh. You're not even, and people say this all the time, God is my co-pilot. Honey, you're barely a passenger on the plane. You in yourself do not have what it takes to fly the aircraft. <laughs> if you would just learn to be a passenger, you'd find that you're actually riding in first class. <laughs> that means I don't have to fly the plane. And I'm good with that. You ever flown first class or seen somebody fly first class? Let me tell you, it's an experience. You know, you know what happens to first class folk? Let me, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. When, when first class folk get to the airport, they go to the front of the line. They, they get on the plane before everybody else. And not only do they get on the plane first, but there is a buffer period between when they get on the plane and everyone else can get on the plane. A distinct separation. And you know what happens during that period of time? They getting served. You ever, you ever flown coach and walked past first class, it's full, and they already got plates with cookies and they drinking their drinks and everything else, and you trying to wonder how in the world that got there, and everyone's just boarding? Because mm -hmm. that's first class. Not only do they get on the plane first, but you know what happens when they land? They get off the plane first, and their luggage gets out before everybody else's luggage. That means when they go to pick up their bags, they don't have to wait I don't know if you've ever been to an airport, but sometimes it, you think your, your luggage never made it. You waiting so long. But they mark the luggage. First class is packed differently. It's handled differently. It comes out differently. First class seats are comfortable. They're roomy. And when you get to my age, with my knees and my back, my neck, and my desire to not really be shoulder to shoulder with somebody I don't know, you'll enjoy the wideness and the depth of them seats. You've been made to believe that you're coach-only flyers when God says, 
I'm flying the plane and my people ride first class. Your mentality has been taught to believe something that is not true for you. When Jocelyn was a lot younger than she is because she's still young. But when she was a lot younger than she is now, I know she thinks she's grown and thinks she's old. And I know we've all had that testimony. We know everything. But when she was younger, we used to tease her because she would always talk about fine wine and fine expensive cheeses. She wasn't into craft cheddar slices. She wanted cheeses that you could not spell, let alone pronounce. And she, it, I don't know if she ever drunk wine, but just wine sounded so more sophisticated, she would throw that in the mix as well. And sometimes we would tell her, you've got wine and cheese taste on barely bread budget. But she really had the right perspective about her expectations. Because she expected something more than what people around her said she could have. Don't you know there is so much more that you can have that are, that's at your fingertips? because of your relationship with the one who owns it all? If he is your father, then everything that he is and everything that he has already belongs to you. It already belongs to you. You're already wealthy. You're already healed. You're already delivered. You're already set free. You're already empowered. You're already smart. You've got to understand and know who you are. Stop thinking less of yourself than the creator thinks of you. Oh, but I did this. I had this mistake. I had this issue. I've got this past. I, I, I've got this whatever. God says that I have taken your past and pushed it as far as the east is from the west. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind me. While God is trying to get you to forget about the nonsense, you won't let it go. And then you'll wonder why you're struggling as much as you're struggling. Because you cannot move forward when you're anchored to the past. You can never move when you are anchored. The purpose of an anchor is to keep you right where you are. That's its purpose. And we think we need anchors. 
if there's anything you ought to be anchored to, it's Jesus. really wish I had the time to get into this sermon today because this was a good sermon. <laughs> there is something that I do want to leave with you. Just give me a couple more moments because I want to be a man of my word and I told you last week that I was going to tell you about your bodyguards. Because we're all targeted for assassination. Simply because of who you are. I told you about the president and his bodyguards and how they surround him. And not only bodyguards, but people who gather intelligence. You see, there are a group of people that are specifically assigned to gather intelligence so that they can tell the bodyguards where the danger is. You see, a bodyguard by and of itself is not enough if the bodyguard lacks knowledge of a threat. Because then the bodyguard simply becomes another target. You ever watch uh, the, the crime movies on, on television and, 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 and all that? I mean, everyone's watching Netflix now. You can't help it because ain't nothing new on TV anymore because ain't no actors making TV shows or movies anymore. So all you got is what's out there. But you ever watch them and, and, and you have these powerful figures in the, in the movies and the TVs and they, got the, they live in these mansions and, you know, they're doing all their dirt and they got bodyguards and the bodyguards are, you know, they got the big guns and they're, they're guarding the perimeter of the, of the house or the building. And, and, and when, when the, the, their enemy comes in to try to get them, you ever notice how the bodyguards never seem to be much help? They just are the first seven people to get killed in the scene. They're like the red shirts on Star Trek. You knew who was going to die in Star Trek when they beamed to a planet. Don't wear the red shirt. They're gone. But you'll see the bodyguards are sniped. They're taken out. One by one, by one by one, and, and seemingly one bodyguard never seems to know that the other bodyguard right. has been taken out. And, and they got earpieces and, and mouth yeah. stuff, and they got cameras everywhere, and, and all, but no one ever seems to know when the bodyguards are being taken out. It's amazing how that works. But the assassin seems to always go to their target. Why? Because... If a bodyguard has no intelligence, the bodyguard is no good to you. Watch this. Because this is for somebody in here, and this is the only thing I'm going to say from the sermon today. And we'll, we'll get back to it next week. But this is really vitally important because some of us are in trouble are dealing with things that God never intended for us to deal with simply because we have not listened to the intelligence that is around us. You see, God surrounds his people with bodyguards and intelligence agents. 
Why? Because each of us has a blind spot. That's that area of vision that sits outside of your peripheral. It's the thing that you don't see because your perspective is either skewed or limited. Many of us have blind spots and they manifest themselves and we testify to them by saying, I never expected so-and-so to do such. I thought the other so-and-so was going to be the one to hurt me. I never expected this so-and-so to hurt me because that so-and-so was your blind spot. Whether it's a person, it's a place, or it's a thing. We all have blind spots. Now watch this. Our intelligence agents have been designed by God to see what you cannot see. They have a different perspective. Now, have you ever talked to somebody that had a different perspective than you and you just discounted what they said because their perspective did not necessarily align itself with your goals? You ever been in conversation with somebody where they're imparting wisdom that you saw as foolishness simply because their words did not align themselves with your expected end? Now, I'm not just talking about Joe Blow off the street that you don't have any knowledge of who they are. You have no way to validate anything that they're saying. I'm talking about people that God has placed in your life for the sole purpose to help watch. You can't do it by yourself. Those of us trying to walk alone are going to fail. Matter of fact, they wrote a song about it. I need you, you need me. We're all a part of God's body. It is his will. That's a bad key, but those are the words. We, we need each other. God, when he created man, he looked at man, he said, whoa, you know something, it it ain't good that man be alone. So why do you think it's good for you to be alone? It wasn't good for man to be alone because man can't see or deal with life by himself. That means that you can't see or deal with life by yourself. You see, when you get ready to make a move out of the corner of their eye, they may see the danger that is ahead of you because your perspective is skewed by your emotions or your desires. 
but they don't have that same emotional connection or desire for a place, a person, or a thing that you have. So they are able to take a different look at what's going on. We call that a bird's eye view. They're able to encompass the whole picture of what's going on. You're seeing in the moment while they have been, their sight has been designed to see the whole thing. You're seeing your desire. You're seeing the fulfillment of your emotional state of being. While they are seeing unconnected reality. And they're able to impart things to you because the Spirit of God is allowing them to see it. You know, you can't hardly catch a fly. You ever try? Anyone ever try to catch a fly, shake it in your hand, throw it down on the ground, knock it out, then you can kill it? I mean, you'd be trying to... But it moves fast. But, but the question is, is, is it really moving fast? Or is it just moving faster than your ability to see? And it's almost like they have premonition. Because they know your hand is coming and they turn. So you were expecting them to be here, but they knew that. And you know they do because that's when they, they get closer to you and start flying around your ears and everything else and won't leave you alone. Now, eventually, eventually, you catch up to them. Eventually, for the most part. Eventually, you catch up to them. You swat them, you kill them. But between the time of their introduction and the time of their death, they didn't do nothing but cause you frustration. <laughs> so the whole time, you've been frustrated. Simply because you can't see like they do. can't see like they do. So sometimes God puts people in your life who don't see like you see. So that they can impart something in your life that'll spare you from a life of frustration. You see, when the devil gets ready to assassinate you, he's first going to pull you away from the people that God has sent into your life to protect you. It is difficult for the enemy to kill you when you are surrounded by people looking out for you. But if he can get you to step out of that covering, If he can get you to move out of that circle of protection, 
you become an easy target. The crazy thing is, is that most of the time, he doesn't really have to do much work to get us to get out of that circle. All, all he really needs to do is to get you attached to something that your circle is not attached to. And he don't make you leave. You will leave on your own. Now, I love my youngest son. I love him. Really do. And as much as I want him to move out, I'm happy that he's living at home. Because I'm able to talk to him and look out for him and, and, and speak things to him, things that he doesn't see, things he doesn't understand, things he doesn't uh, comprehend at this stage of his life. You see, I'm older than he is. I have more life experience than he does. And I hear from God. And I speak these things into his life that are necessary for his success. And as much as I want him to move out, I'm so glad that he's still there. As a matter of fact, of all my children... My wife and I said Noah would be the one that would probably live with us forever. <laughs> Why? Because he understands how comfortable it is to be surrounded by people who are looking after you. Now, he doesn't, he doesn't always get what he wants. He doesn't always get his way. He still has to be home at a certain hour, and he, he he's, thinks he's grown. But he understands the sacrifice of those things are necessary for an easier existence. But many of us are in such a rush to get out of that circle, that we leave before we are actually ready. We think we're ready because we're driven by our emotions. We're driven by our desires. We think we got it all together. We think we got it planned out. Mike Tyson said everyone's got a plan when they get into the ring until they get hit. All right, all right. <laughs> It'll work for you until it doesn't. But we, we, we think we got it all figured out. We, we, we think. Right now, we think we got it all figured out. But the enemy is trying to move you from your circle of protection. And you think it's so you can have what you want when you don't see that what you want is not good for you. And not only is it not good for you, it's not what God wants for you. And because it's not what God wants for you, though God gave you the ability of free will, which means you have the right to choose whatever you want, 
You have to understand that when you make a choice, blessings and consequences come with those choices. I remember speaking to somebody uh, not, not too many years ago who was asking me about marriage and, and I was telling them that this wasn't the right way to go, this wasn't the right way to go, this wasn't the right way to go, and they kept asking and they kept asking and they kept asking and they kept asking and I would petition the Lord and the Lord kept saying, this isn't the right way to go, this isn't the right way to go, until ultimately God said, if you choose to go that way, that is your choice. However, what you would like your spouse to be, this person will not be. And because they will not be what you really want them to be, true happiness is going to elude you. But the choice is yours. That's the amazing love of God. He gives you the ability to choose whatever it is that you want to choose. And sure enough, this person made the choice. And sure enough, this person is not as happy as they could be. Not that they're not happy. They're not happy as they could be. You see, God wants you to be as happy as you can be. As happy as you ought to be. But the enemy doesn't want you to be happy at all. And we've come to accept in life that there are just bad things that come. However, this is not the way God intended it to be from the beginning. You know, people who love you, people who are not judging you, you have to understand they're not trying to hold you back. These people are acting as your agents of intelligence. As your agents of intelligence. They're trying to influence your decision-making process so that you come out on top when you make choices. Now, some of the decision-making process, the intelligence agents are really connected to you when you're married because most often it's your spouse. And we, oftentimes we really don't want to hear from them. Now, we don't want to put them out because they're good for other stuff. <laughs> I'm just saying. We don't want to really put them away, but... We don't want to hear what they got to say either. Unless it's yes and amen. Hey, glory! That'll hit some of you at midnight, and some of you are just too young to know what I am talking about. But oftentimes, God will speak to you through your spouse. Now, you could hear it from somebody else, and it would be the most earth-shattering, theological, most powerful and intelligent thing ever said. But let your spouse say the very same thing. Yeah, she don't know what she's talking about. 
As a matter of fact, they're not even acting in the right place. Watch this. Most of the time, you'll tell your spouse, if you're a man, you'll say, I'm the head. The, the Bible says, wives, submit yourself. And so we, we think that submit means bow down. Because that's the way we act. We act like uh, the Bible says you ought to bow down to me. <laughs> uh, but if you would look at the etymology of the word submit, as it is in its original text, you'll find that submit does not mean obedience. It means support. So wives, support. I won't get too many. I, I thought at least the women in here, the married ones, would be like, hallelujah. Or at least I told you. But it means support. Well, how do you support? By telling you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Because if I only tell you what you want to hear, you're going to end up in a whole lot of mess. And the problem is, is if you're in mess, we are in mess. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in no mess. I'm trying to live a messless life. So sometimes you have to learn to listen to the people that God has surrounded you with because they're speaking things that are God designed for you to be successful. Sometimes you'll think something is right for you, but they'll know it's not. And you won't hear God. Here's the, you know, you ever talk to somebody and you're just talking and talking and talking, but they have no idea what you're saying. I mean, you can just tune them out. Your lips are moving, but the words I do not know. And that's the way we are when people are talking against what we think is right for us. You must be talking in a foreign language. So I don't hear you. Oftentimes that is what we do when God is speaking to us. We tune God out because, you know, the Bible says God will give you the desires of your heart. We, we, we misunderstand the context of the scripture. The desires of your heart should be God ordained. So when I desire something that's not in alignment with the desires of God for my life, I should then not desire that thing. And God is not going to give you something that's outside of his will. But the amazing thing about God's love is, is that he'll let you possess it for yourself. 
and they will put it on God. God, that man or that woman that you gave me. You know, Johnny was looking really good. I knew God had Johnny for me. And God said, no, 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 you, you misunderstood. I didn't say Johnny, I said Tommy. Tommy, not Johnny. You, mis you misunderstood. Johnny is your problem. See, if you would went with Tommy, you'd be all right right now. You chose Johnny. But I didn't tell you Johnny. I, I, told, I told you Tommy. You see, the thing is, you didn't listen. And then you want to argue with God, and then God will say, yeah, but not only did I tell you in your spirit, you knew you, this wasn't where you should be. He'll say, uh, your mama told you. Your best friend told you. Your brother and your sister told you. The church mother told you. The usher told you. But everybody was wrong except for you. Enjoy now your rightness. But that's where we are. That's how the enemy does. The, 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 the enemy aligns itself with your flesh that has a desire that is opposite the will of God for your life. Your flesh will never align itself with the will of God. So when something is really feeling good in your flesh, there should be some red flags. You have to listen. You have to listen to the people that God has put in your life. Because when you don't listen, when you know it all for yourself, when you can't be told nothing, as sure as I'm standing here today, you are led into destruction because you're leading without knowledge. Any decision that is made without the influence of knowledge is typically a poor decision. Any good leader knows if I'm going to make or she's going to make a decision for their life, they accept the fact that they don't know everything. They, they're not going to see all the fallout from the decision. They're not going to uh, know every possibility, so they call a council and they ask the people that they have confidence in their perspective their view and they get a consensus of the best way to go and if they're a smart leader they go that way 
Now, there's always going to be the outlier. There's always going to be the exception to the rule. There's always going to be that moment when things are you have to do, you're doing according to really what God has told you, and you're taking that leap of faith, and you're stepping out on the arms of God. And it may not necessarily align itself with those that are around you because God didn't tell them. But that's a rarity. When that is the default position, there's a problem. When every time you go to make a decision, it's always opposite of what everybody else is telling you all the time, there's a problem. That means either God messed up and put the wrong people around you, or you are the problem. I'm trying to tell you something that's going to help your life. That's going to prevent you from becoming another victim of the enemy. There are spiritual forces and powers at work in everything that's going on in the earth. And each of you has been targeted for failure. We spend our time trying not to offend people. I, I, you know, I don't want to say anything because it might offend you. I don't want to offend you. If I offend you, who cares? To be quite honest, if, if, if I'm going to be a good leader, I'm going to offend you at some point in time. I'm going to say something that's going to make you mad at me. Who cares? You know what happens if I offend you, Angela? Nothing. You'll just be mad, and I'll go on with life. It's not like tomorrow God is going to kill me because I offended you. And if you're really my sister in Christ, if I offend you, you'll forgive me. And we'll just keep rolling. If we're really true believers and exercisers of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we'll get over it and move on. So I don't spend a whole lot of time trying not to offend people. Right is right, wrong is wrong. When God tells me something, I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to be offended if you receive it or don't, because it ain't for me. I'm not going to take ownership of your success or failure. That's yours for you. If you're successful, hallelujah. If you fail, well. I'll pray for you. But I'm not going to be all brokenhearted about it. I'm not the one that didn't listen. That's on you. If I tell you to turn left and you turn right, well, hey, if you drive off a cliff, well, I'll give you a good funeral. I told her, and I'll tell you in the funeral, I told her to go left. She said, no, right looks better. Well, 
whole lot of things look good when you're intoxicated. You know, before you were saved, a whole lot of things looked alcohol beautiful. But when you came down off the intoxication, who are you? I don't know you. You don't look like who I saw last night. Something must have happened. They did a switch. Yeah, they did a switch, all right. Y'all know I love my wife, and she doesn't really do a whole lot of makeup. She never really has. And it's a beautiful thing because I can see her during the day. She looks like the same person I see when she wakes up in the morning. But some of us are with some people that are so made up. When they take all that off, it's like a whole nother person. Bishop is preaching against makeup. No, I'm not preaching against makeup. But some of us are so made up. You, you ain't the same person I laid down with. You, you went down beautiful but came up, oh, Lord, Jesus. What happened in the morning? I thought the Bible said weeping may endure for a night, but joy, there wasn't no joy in the morning. It was like a Friday the 13th when I woke up. What happened? I'm trying I'm trying I'm trying I'm trying to save your life. Stop making intoxicated decisions. Wait till you come down off that high before you make a decision. Because some decisions that you make cannot be undone. Now, the world system might make you think things can be undone. I'll give you an example. If you have a baby with somebody, I don't care what paper says, you are forever connected to that person. And if they're a jerk, you are forever connected to that person. I'm trying to be real with you. I'm trying to be real with you. I'm trying to help prevent assassination attempts in your life. Learn to listen. Look at your neighbor and tell your name. Neighbor, you ought to learn 
to listen. Do you know that your faith cannot grow unless you listen? Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then it goes on to say, how can they hear lest there be a preacher? I'm hearing from Jesus. Jesus talked to me. Yeah, he does. He talked to you through people. I'm just waiting on the Lord. The Lord said, I've been here. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, hey, hey. Mama, mama, can't you see what God done to me? He took a boy and made a man. We... You see, sometimes you just, that's what you got to, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. Q, 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 R, S, T, U, B. O, U, X, Y, M, Z. just talk to you. Now somebody somebody asked you what you learned in church today. I I know my ABC. Mr. said, hey, 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 B, 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 C, D to the E to the F to the G, and then Brent hit him with a, yeah! man, God was in the house, the G was here. I'm just, I'm just trying to help somebody. Faith comes by hearing. Sometimes we, we, we come to hear styles and, and that's all good. 
but we lack receiving the substance of what is being said. I often wonder how Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount. Did he say, blessed are the meek? Or did he say, blessed the meek? Did they have Hammond organs on the hillside? <laughs> have no idea what was said, but it sure sounded good. See, I'm glad God keeps me out of key. Because if I could ever preach in key, You have to learn to listen to the people that God has placed in your life. And when they're speaking into your life, stop putting up walls of defense when they're actually bringing deliverance from the walls that have been erected to imprison you. They're throwing you a lifeline. They're trying to save you. You ought to listen to what they are saying. God would not let me sit down until I release that one nugget of information into your life. So when they do ask you, what did you learn today? You can say, I learned that I need to listen when God is speaking to me through the people that God has surrounded me with. Even when they're not saying what I want to hear. If you don't remember anything else from today, remember that. You will be the better for it. You will be the better for it. Let's rest to our I truly thank God for each and every one of you.